RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to Crush Performance, everyone. I am Jeff Groeschel, and we're your weekly source for performance information. If you want to reach out, do so. CrushPerformance.com is the website. Info at CrushPerformance is the email. Questions, comments, smart remarks. We love them all. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all of the social media platforms. Search out Crush Performance and you can find us there. All right, today, episode number five in the Crush War on Sugar Science of Sweetness series. And today, we're going to look at how the foods you eat hijack your brain. It comes down to food control and this thing called brain energetics. That's right. Bioenergetics of neurotransmission. It's neuroscience, it's physiology, it's psychology. It's all folded into one. And there's one common denominator, how what we eat impacts how we feel, how we think, and how we perform. We have a lot to cover today, so let's get to it. Roll that intro. You're listening to Crush Performance with the crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. All right, everybody, let's get back to it. It is episode number five of the Science of Sweetness. We are joined by Dr. Anne Deweese Allen, the Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. Today's episode is titled Hijacking Your Brain, Food Control and Brain Energetics. Dr. Allen, this is going to be a whopper of a show. There's no doubt about it. It is, and I've been really looking forward to this one because it, it's just juicy beyond belief. You know, it really is going to be lots of fun, lots of really good stuff, lots of shocking information, which, you know, we never fail to shock people. They'll go, wait, what did they just say? Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun on the other side. You know, helping people connect the dots and and wade through this minutia of, you know, uh, uh, marketing and misinformation. There is good information out there, but it's almost impossible nowadays to siphon through it to get to what's real. But more importantly, we're starting to get a new, clear understanding of how this whole system works. And we've got, uh, we're going to start the show off today with some really good questions from our audience. Our audience has been fantastic. But before we get to that, Dr. Allen, I just wanted to get to this. You know, since NASA uh, recognized our technology as one of the top technologies uh, right now, um, we have yeah, been... which, I mean, come on, that was uh, pretty magnanimous. And I think you and I were more shocked than anybody else. Than we, yeah, no. You know, we're in a very top position with our technology. So you might want to kind of describe that. Yeah, well, technology. Just, yeah, just to get recognized, right? Just to get recognized for all the work that's been done. But more importantly, you know, when you look at the research gaps that NASA is facing when they're trying to deal with sending humans into space for extended periods of time, there are massive physiological, psychological, chemical, biochemical issues they're facing with, especially in microgravity. And it was really, really cool to work with NASA and connect with them uh, to see if we can help with some of their solutions. And, and, you know, that was a really rewarding experience and we're hoping to, you know, move forward with that most certainly. But, but, you know, just recently here in the news, how cool is it that one of our guys Captain Kirk, William Shatner is heading to space. <laughs> I just love this. This is great. Oh my god! Because we have a. Direct- I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Listen, when I when I was I heard it on TV and I was like, what? What the hell? They said William Shatner going into space with Jeff Bezos. Well, wait a minute. William Shatner's ninety years old, but honest to God, he's just as smart as when he was thirty, and he looks fantastic. But you know, he's he's like he's so jacked up about actually going into space. You know what he said? He goes, look. This is what he said. He goes, look. He said, uh, if I look out the window when I'm in space, but I see somebody looking back, <laughs> that 
that's when I'm really going to really get upset. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the good and the cool thing is, uh, you have a real direct connection with him. You he he interviewed you for more than an hour at one point on his television show. So I thought the connection here is really cool. Plus, I am a Trekkie from way back. I used to watch Star Trek with my mom as one of her favorite shows. So it's near and dear to my heart. But how cool is it that Captain Kirk is finally going into space for real? You know, I, I'm so happy for him because, I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, he's, he's, he's lived to be 90 years old and he's just as sharp as a tack. I swear to God. So when, you know, when his uh, agents, you know, notify me, please fly out to California. He wants to interview you for an hour. I'm like, wait a minute, who? William Shatner, the guy that is, you know, <laughs> yeah. And then Star Trek, they went, yes, that William Shatner. It's not like William, some other Shatner. I was like, okay. I so I get out there, and everybody had said, God, he can be difficult. I'm telling you, he was the most delightful, the most charming, and the funniest person I've ever met. We just had the best time ever. I said some pretty shocking things to him when he would say, <laughs> "Listen, Doctor Allen." Are you telling me that the human body? I said yes. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And we I had a blast. I well, I remember that interview clearly. You can still probably find it on YouTube. It's really cool. That was for one of the shows that he was hosting at the time. Um, and but it was fascinating, and he was fascinated by it. Uh, so I thought this was a real cool connection before we kick off today's show. So uh, I know, yeah. uh, you know, and this the show is really turning into, you know, a a. Not just, just, you know, nutrition, but science um, and, and other things. In fact, you know, one of the things uh, for your listeners that the question I'm going to do is the funnest thing ever. We're going to start having probably in the next podcast what's called the Brainiac Contest. Yeah, right? I love it. Yep, absolutely. And the Brainiac Contest is going to be we're going to ask you guys a question on science fiction movies or anything to do with science fiction or science. Like the day the earth stood still or, or war games or things like that or, uh, you know, any kind of movie like that. And then whoever answers it right, question, they get to be the Brainiac of the Month, right? Yeah, Brainiac of the Month. You better believe it. Uh, yeah, questions from like, you know, Back to the Future or Star Wars, Star yeah. Trek. It'll just yeah. be cool, really obscure, science-based questions. Because, yeah. you know, if you think about it, Dr. Allen, think about this. Like, here's just a little story for you. This is just science fiction and how how so much of that stuff that we watched with 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 awe is now actually real. And the one, the I'll just tell you, share with this really quickly uh, with our audience. I might have shared this on the air before, but you know, uh, when I first saw a the second Aliens movie, that Alien series, I was just fascinated with it as a kid. Oh, oh, damn! Oh, yeah. oh, hey. Sigourney Weaver. Oh, no. Sigourney Weaver was great. Paul Reimer was it was in that one in the second one. Yeah, and I just remember yeah. the one spot. Uh, Sigourney Weaver wakes up in her hospital room and and he calls her on the video screen, and I'm going, what? He's calling her on the TV, and she goes over and touches her screen, and he comes up, and she's looking at him, and he's looking at her over a television screen, and they're talking each other and i remember as a kid sitting there going holy cow they're talking to each other they're on different planets and they're talking to each other on a television screen that's unbelievable and here we are facebook i we've know got video. you know what i swear to god it, it, most almost every female on the or any woman who has estrogen was hiding under a blanket with that <laughs> you know and i'm sitting there I'm like so i'm, I'm saying to the people around me uh just tell me what's happening. I'm not looking. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That, that thing scared the crap out of me. 
me. Oh, for sure, for sure. But isn't it crazy how much of that science fiction? Just think of Spielberg and Lucas and 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 all these uh, uh, imaginative people that put I together I'm these. Convinced it's Spielberg is not from this planet. Okay, that's <laughs> that just, might uh, very well I'm be. I'm just sharing that with you because that dude, he is so far ahead of what was going on. That dude just ain't. So I think we should start calling our show. Welcome to another episode of Badass Science. I like it. Badass Science, because that's really what it comes down to. Hey, man, there's no yeah. BS. And here's the other thing that you said in one of our previous episodes. One thing you said, hey, man, science is not an opinion. This is not an opinion. This is what we talk about, ladies and gentlemen. It's not our opinion. Right. This is hard core data. It's not that we won't. And one of the other things that I really appreciate with our entire team, Dr. Allen, and I love this since, since we've been working together for 20 plus years is, you know, if we discover and find well, new I don't relevant. Know how that can be when I'm only 24. So you'd be lying. Oh, right. so, Sorry. So bad. Sorry. Yeah. You'd be lying so bad. No, but that's true. That's true. And listen, that 20 years has been the most fun 20 years of my life. Yeah, no, me too. What what we have accomplished here and what we're about to accomplish has just been fascinating. But but you know, my point here was the fact that when we got together originally, one of the things that really really drew me into this group that we've got around us is the fact that that everybody was cool. We're not going to sit on old science. We're not going to ignore new science. We were all on board 100% saying, "Hey, look, if we find a better way, newer way to do things, we're going to do it." So our quest is never truly going to be over. Oh, it's never. Are you kidding? It's never because it keeps changing. It keeps changing, changing, changing uh, as we evolve. And I remember you saying to me at that time, the first time I met you and you said, you know, what is it that you're trying to do? And I said, well, eradicate the rapid spread of high tech ignorance. And you went, what? I love it. <laughs> I remember it clearly. That was in the Baywalk in St. Petersburg, Florida. In oh the, my in, God. In the Baywalk. Yes. Yeah. How can you remember that? I, yes. rem I remember it clearly because that took me back. Oh my and I, gosh. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, as William Shatner heads into space, our audience, Doc, has been throwing us some very, very intelligent questions, and I frankly love it. They sure have. I mean, they've been, they've been giving us some doozies, and, you know, I think that you know, if we were to say, well, what is the point of these podcasts we do? It's because there's a shocking amount of ignorance floating around regarding the subject matter, which in this case is sweeteners and their metabolic consequences. And and you and I are attempting here to dislodge this profit-driven data. Right. Because that's just the way it is. I love it. Um, that's what we're all about. So, yeah, we've gotten some some kind of weird emails, <laughs> um, but okay, you know, we're hey. happy for whatever emails we get from you guys. Oh. And, you know, one in particular that I received was from a guy named Glenn. <laughs> He's a nice young man who told me that he had eaten, because this is about stuff that you eat. It's about food or nutrition, right? Okay. He had eaten 50, count them 50, of the hottest peppers on the planet combined with Yoembe. God help us. All right. And I asked him what? To increase his testosterone. Well... The reason he was uh, emailing was, unfortunately, this made his nuts pop, as he put it, and that was not easily remedied. So is, there's a good one for you, there's okay? A, there's a very difficult medical situation right there. I know. Well, come on. I never heard of the medical condition that made his nuts pop, but that's what he said. Any advice? Any advice back to Glenn on that one there, Well, Don? you know, yeah. You know, I had to be gentle. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't want to be accused of some saying something salacious to him. So, uh, yes, I had to think of it very carefully. And, uh, yeah, I said, okay, um, 
you know, because really, what are you going to say? All right, so I said, look, uh, get get a, a bunch of crust ice in a Ziploc bag and put it right on your pop nuts and just, you know, let it sit for an hour to, to get them to calm down. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I love it's our nuts pop. I, lo- I love our audience. I'm not in uh, that area of science. <laughs> yeah, right. I love, go see your doctor, Glenn, go see your God. doctor. Oh, I love help it though. Me, right. hey, help but, me, but, Lord. Yeah. Oh man. Hey, hey doc though, doesn't that really though sort of personify uh, maybe how desperate people are to get results or, yeah. or maybe how far people are yeah. willing to go. And you know, this, this actually kind of brings me back to the conversation of PEDs and illegal substances in sport. You know, I really do believe that, you know, in today's day and age, we, we kind of know why athletes go to the dark side when it comes to performance enhancing drugs and illegal yeah, banned I substances. I totally get it. I totally get it. They they're know, desperate. They're they, desperate. They're desperate for success. Right. And they don't know what to really do, Doc. And you and I have proven this time and time again. We have taken athletes off of steroids. We've gotten athletes yeah. before they've gone on steroids. We yeah, have the gotten, first group that I did it with was the World Powerlifting Federation. Yeah. And Doc, uh, that story. The guys lifted 1,000 pounds and women squatted 650. And then the second group I did with it was Mr. Universe, Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic, and Miss Galaxy, to name a few. Right. Getting them off the steroids and having them still make world records. Well, they made five world records as the strongest men and women when I got them off the steroids. Yeah. It can be done. There is a way to do it. They, you know, you just have to make it available to them. Now, you know, these people are, they're athletes. Come on. And, and as you know, I worked with the youngest person in the world who ever climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and he started climbing mountains when he was like nine to twelve years old. It's on my web website, but you know who I'm talking about. I do. Yep. And you, uh, he was using our products uh, and is uh, uh, as the youngest person to climb Everest as yep. well. Just fantastic yep. stuff. Looking and for Mount solutions. Mount Kilimanjaro. It's out of the top. The top. You know. Um. He, 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 listen, I met him. His dad brought him to him because his dad was a mountain climber and he was a client of mine. And uh, you know, it was interesting. He said. Well, I, I'm lucky to meet my son. He's like nine. I went nine. He goes, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna train him to go up the, the Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, you know, he ended up uh, backpacking the formula that I made for him, which really was a a child friendly nitric oxide product. Because you know what's crazy? The Sherpas that go up the mountains, right, in Nepal, they have a metabolic and genetic, what we want to call a predisposition to produce more nitric oxide. That's evolution. They those Sherpas through through different generations started producing more nitric oxide and that's what the clue is is is, is increasing your your levels of nitric oxide so they could get up that unbelievable climb. Yeah. Um so those yeah, I work with a lot of mountain climbers and them them guys are nuts, all right? Them, listen, I had a mountain climber call me a really good client of mine for many years, ten years. He called me, he goes, Hey doc, guess what happened to me? Well, I climbed, you know, so-and-so mountain yesterday. I go, what? And he goes, well, I got hit by lightning. And I went, what do you mean? <laughs> I remember this. Dead, right? Yeah, right, I remember. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. He goes, I got hit in the head by lightning. Yep, it's true. And I went, come on, are you okay? What's two and two? He goes, ah, oh, very funny. I said, well, what'd you do when you get hit in, in the head with lightning? He goes, well, I just went back down. I went, Jeez, you, you're all crazy. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, but that it's so many great stories. But I'll tell you this: when you go back to that the powerlifting federation, one of the things I really appreciated appreciated about the protocol and the involvement of the science team there was the absolute requirement. We did blood testing to make sure they were truly off the steroids. And I'm telling you, not only did they get better results when they finally started doing things right, 
they were healthier. And Doc, you have to think down the road, you probably uh, really saved them from a lot of potential issues uh, because the dark side of the banned substance of PEDs is such a dark, uncalculated, misty area of danger. Uh, I'm just, I'm glad we're going to dedicate and an entire sad, show to that. And very sad. Yeah. Some of, some of you know, the greatest powerlifters in the world, you know, I worked with them for five years at World Powerlifting Federation, loved every one of them. They were just my, like my little fledgling kids, you know, and there was only, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but it's only one that wouldn't do it. They didn't want to come off the steroids because he felt he wouldn't have an advantage. And uh, he died yeah. from those steroids. And his wife called me and she was hysterically crying. She's a powerlifter too. And she said, he's dead. And I went, he can't be dead. He can't be. He wouldn't get off the juice. And that just broke my heart. That just broke my heart oh. that there was only one out of the... The, the multitudes of powerlifters that, you know, decided to come off the steroids. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they were taking horse steroids, and I won't tell you what the side effects were, but they were quite interesting. Okay, I won't go into detail on that. That's for another call. Yeah, agreed, agreed. No, so many, so many things. So the good news for everybody out there is there are ways to get unbelievable performance if you do it right. Getting back to our questions, Doc, and that kind of goes back to what this show, again, is all about. I love what you said there. Badass science and this lodging the profit-driven data. That's what we're all about. It's facts. So one of the, we've had a bunch of emails since our last episode because we talked really briefly in the last episode about artificial sweeteners, uh, sweeteners, sugar substitutes, and the impact on our metabolism and brain function. We just mentioned it very briefly, but I couldn't believe the number of emails and questions that came in asking about the impact of artificial sweeteners. The impact of 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 substitutes high and high fructose corn syrup wasn't and it? And high fructose high fructose corn syrup. I think we just yeah, mentioned it. Yeah, I think people are passing. confused by that. I think they're confused by the high yeah. fructose corn syrup. Like, what the heck is it? Why is you know what? Yeah, I agree. No, it, and it can be really, really confusing because there's so much misinformation out there. So, Doc, what do we know at this point? Let's just clear the slate here and let everybody know uh, the no. BS version of the scientific gospel here. What do we know about all this right now? I, I, I'm just going to quote from other university resources, okay? According yeah. to the Cleveland Clinic, and they're very well respected. Too much high fructose corn syrup leads to insulin resistance, obesity, type 2 diabetes, and high blood pressure. Harvard University, Dr. Lustig, metabolic syndrome connected with in, in consumption of high fructose corn syrup. Uh, Princeton University, according to Princeton University research, um, high fructose corn syrup as compared to regular sucrose, sugar as is opposed to, but it's called sucrose, had more weight gain, abdominal increase in body fat, and a rise in triglycerides, okay, and high fructose corn syrup and sucrose have been shown to drive inflammation associated with increased risk of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. Now, if you really want to get pissed off at high fructose corn syrup, all the gamers that are listening tonight, I would like to say, as you know, uh, Jeff Crochelle and I are working on a gamer's drink, and it's it's coming out soon. It's, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. That, that directly addresses the fuel that a gamer utilizes while playing the game, and we have MRIs to show it. Okay, what's interesting is high fructose corn syrup affects in, uh, the insulin's uh, effect on the brain cells in which the brain works properly and for us to think clearly. So if using high fructose corn syrup negates 
uh, the brain cells and the brain to work properly and for us to think clearly uh, or, or, or even affects it in any way, I'd say that's pretty significant for athletes, gamers, and people that use their brain. Oh, yeah, Doc, and I think about it. Not just that, but how are people driving to work in the morning when they're kind of tired and drowsy? Or how about our first responders, our military or our police, where you know yeah. we're not talking about winning or losing a game. We're talking about life and death situations. Man, there's so many implications here, and people need to understand this. The metabolic disaster and the high fructose corn syrup, for sure, but the artificial sweeteners are right in the mix as well. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, we, we, we had to put fuel into three different categories. There's a, and we named it the ghost fuel, the rogue fuel, and the metabolic fuel. So the ghost fuel would be like, okay, an artificial sweetener, and that's it's ghosted. It's like a neutrino. Hey, can we do a whole show on neutrinos? Because they're uh, pretty cool. Okay? I think it would be good. Neutrinos are like rocket, okay? They're like quarks. They're, they're better than quarks. Anyway, for please, Neil deGrasse Tyson, listen to that issue. All right, so <laughs> what we... <laughs> I'm going to marry him. I swear to God, I'm going to marry Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know how, but I'll figure out a way. <laughs> All right. So um, the issue with that is that artificial sweeteners are in the ghost fuel. The, the brain thinks it's a fuel because of its high bricks and high sweetness level, but it's not a fuel. So it's a ghost fuel. And that's really going to piss off the body and the brain. Now you've got your rogue fuels which don't go down the right glue pathways. They don't follow the right metabolic pathway. But then there's metabolic fuel, which does take the right pathway. So what's, what's driving scientists crazy? Okay, so I'm not going to trash any sweeteners, but I have a good answer for them at the end of this because it can be fixed. It can be fixed. All of that could be fixed, and I'm going to tell you how before we go. Yeah. But if you, if you look at, I'm just going to quote George Washington University, okay, which I did do the lecture series for GW University on um, with cancer patients. I worked with cancer patients and lectured to them at GW University. Uh, I, was, I was asked to speak there on uh, stomach and esophageal cancers, which I was very honored to do when I worked for Cancer Mount Division, and which was terminal cancer patients. Anyway, so George Washington University is close to my heart, but they, they their data um, explains the mechanism, basically, of, of, for example, the, let's call them the ghost fuels, which are the artificial sweeteners, actually boost fat accumulation. And you're like, well, how the heck does that work? How can something that has no fuel um, affect your adipose tissue fat cells and your body fat? How is that possible? Okay, here's how. Because they increase plasma blood glucose levels by 24% without any fuel. Now, how can anything affect blood sugar? Okay, I'm a blood sugar expert for 30 years, as you well know. When we saw that some of these artificial sweeteners were increasing the blood glucose levels by 24% when there's no fuel in there, we said, that's impossible. And we actually did the trials over because we thought, so we did something wrong. This can't be. And then all of these universities came out, Princeton, Harvard, uh, GW, saying, no, no, it's because... The, the sweetness level of it jacks up the, the message to the brain to produce insulin, and that insulin stimulates uh, a lot of things, lipoprotein lipase, which is the direct pathway into the adipose tissue fat cells, and it affects the FTO obesity gene. The FTO obesity gene, if that gets pissed off because your blood sugar levels go up, it's going to kick into, and that's why these people, women with PCOS, are, are suffering with that is because um, largely, you know, that they keep increasing their plasma glucose levels 
through trying to think they're dieting and by using artificial sweeteners or ghost fuel or whatever, and it's making it worse. But there's a way to fix it, and I'm not saying don't use sugars and sweeteners, okay? I'm just saying we'll discuss it before we go on how that can be fixed. No, should we shut throw out all the sugars and sweeteners on the planet? No. We should course correct them. Oh, that is a great perspective. We're talking with Dr. Anne Dewey Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute, on episode number five here of the Science of Sweetness, Hijacking Your Brain, Food Control and Brain Energetics. Well, Doc, that that is a, an incredible uh, segment of the show right there. And it's interesting how you know you talk about all of these health issues that, that we need to be aware of. Look, People need to understand the impact of the food. And I think this comes from our very first episode on the science of sweetness. You said, and I'm going to quote this as close as I can. You said, don't we have the right to know? Don't people have the right to know how the food they take in or ingest impacts their metabolism? Well, they certainly do. But here's the bigger picture, maybe even, and as important is how it, how it impacts our health. And you mentioned right there, you know, just through our diets, the, the increased risk of certain you know, health issues. And and I just remember a conversation we had a couple of years ago when the uh, research came out from the, uh, uh, jour- in the Journal of Cancer Epidemiology uh, at a study that came out of the University of Texas saying that um, um, uh, people consuming a higher glycemic diet or high glycemic index diet significant, have a significantly higher risk of lung disease. And it wasn't a little bit number. In this study from the University of Texas, it was a 49% greater lung cancer risk with high GI diets. Doc, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I can't believe you remembered that. That, You know, I'll tell you what, that that study right there freaked me out and freaked all the scientists, you know, my science panel. Uh, That freaked us out more than anything we've ever heard, I would say, in my entire career. I was like, wait a minute. You're, You're totally right. When we look at that and go, wait a minute, how can changing your blood sugar, right? That's what it's about. Changing your blood sugar and elevating your blood sugar and stimulating insulin. How does that increase lung cancer? That was the craziest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, I've been doing glycemic research my whole life. And I thought, and I have two patents in it, uh, technology patents. Um, but, and I'm thinking, how in the world does that happen? Well, we, we understand it. We didn't understand it then when right. that study was published, which is one of the most definitive studies I've ever seen in my whole life. One of the most shocking things that scientists have ever said, what, what do you mean? That lung cancer can be affected not just by cigarettes, but by your blood sugar. That's crazy because it causes a metabolic cascade um, that, that is very destructive to the body. You know, and if we, if we really look at what this is all about, okay, it's about, you know, and we're working with a major university right now um, who's, who's, who's going to be utilizing our science to the good of mankind. I'm so, so proud of them. But it's going to be, uh, the topic will be evolution and human nutrition. Uh, and really, if you separate evolution from human nutrition, you're going on the wrong path because that ain't going to work. I'll tell you right, that ain't going to happen. We're talking about a billion years of evolution. And the reason is the brain is looking for an identity to the type of fuel and its potential for energy. And let's remember, the brain regulates fuel energy. Okay, athletes, do you hear that? The brain regulates fuel energy. That's just as simple as it is, but how, okay? You're going to ask me how, so I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> the brain monitors changes in the body's energy state, and it does that by sensing any kind of alteration or change in the plasma levels, your blood levels, 
of the key metabolic hormones and nutrients. It looks there and goes, hey, what do you got? What you got for me there? Is it fuel? Is it non-fuel? Are you going to starve me to death and not have to get pissed and then I get low blood sugar? So it's, it's, it's important to note that those fuel-sensing neurons in the brain act as key metabolic integrators. Now, neurons in the brain are completely intolerant of any type of inadequate or low energy supply. And so the high energy demand of the brain makes it um, and predisposes it to a variety of diseases if energy supplies are disrupted. Now we're talking about lung cancer. We're saying, and we know for a fact, that the neurons in the brain are completely intolerant of a low energy supply or a wrong energy supply. And so the high energy demand of the brain predisposes it to a variety of diseases if the energy supplies are disrupted or low. Oh, my God. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. But it explains fuel function is based on brain energetics. You can't change your hardware, which is your body, but you can change the software. And that's called switch the brain, switch the game science. Doc, I really like that analogy. You can't change the hardware, right? That's our bodies. We got our genetics. We know yeah. how the body works. But the software, this is much like uh, programming your computer, for example, right? You have your computer. Yeah. You know what it's all about. Key coding. Key yeah. coding. Key coding. You better believe it. And you talk about those diseases. Well, you know, this goes back to another conversation and one that's near and dear to my heart. Because as you know, and one of the areas of passion for our science team is this whole idea about uh, degenerative brain diseases and its link yeah. now to, to our diet. But listen, yeah. not just our diet, ladies and gentlemen, the sugars and sweetness levels of our diet. And this goes back a few years to, to a study done at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, where they did a massive study looking at the degenerative brain diseases. And again, they linked it with high sugar diets, high GI diets. Which is why they're calling it type 3 diabetes, yes. Alzheimer's. Yes, and they're, they're, they're sort of... Tagline for this unbelievable research they did that looked at Alzheimer's and severe forms of dementia, high sugar diet raises your risk of Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. And doc, that yeah. was another eye opener yeah. for me because my mom, of course, you know, and I remember. I know, I know, yeah. I know it's near and dear to your heart because of your mom. And, um, but we, you know, it's been a difficult thing for you and your mom and it's sad, but, you know, we're starting to understand yes. the connection between, it's not just sugars and sweeteners, but the, the lack of fuel or the or the elevation of your blood sugar levels, how it affects the brain. Yep. And when that affects the brain, it affects your cognitive function. And now that they're calling all, all, you know, Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes, we ain't joking around here. Right. We're not joking around. Because what we're saying is the sugars that um, stimulate insulin uh, in the brain and in the body are, 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 are totally linked to cognitive function and to, and to Alzheimer's. And that, that makes... That makes the, the, the whole field of sugars and sweeteners a lot more important than it used to be. And, you know, the, the, the whole system that we're talking about, right, like this whole thing that we're talking about, um, the whole system of, of, of the reality of the response of what we put in our mouth is really the bioenergetics of neurotransmission. That's what it is. Um, and that's what we call it, the bioenergetics of neurotransmission. And that has nothing to do with willpower or the psychology of eating a diet. And I'm going to tell you right now, some people aren't going to like this. There's no such thing as the psychology of eating and dieting have anything to do with what you eat. The psychology of eating and dieting is a load of crap because everything has to do with human evolution. It's not psychology. 
It's not dealing with them. I've seen these diets. Okay, psychology is great. Good for you. Try it. Give it a shot. The point is you can't change human evolution and you can't change the bioenergetics of neurotransmission. So what we're talking about is you've really got to change the way that those sweeteners affect the neurobiological circuit. Yeah. That's why we call this the science of sweetness. Because what's happening is your brain is being hijacked. I love it, Doc. And, and that that really does enter. It's like, you know, this is where neuroscience and diet come together. You know, I like what you say, the bio bioenergetics of neurotransmission. This really does bring those two incredible worlds together. And I do like the idea that you talk about, you know, the psychology side. Because I it doesn't matter what kind of, how powerful your 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 attitude is or, or your willpower is if again it goes back to that saying if you you can't change the hardware until you change the software you can have the best psychology in the world but if you got the wrong software coming in your program can't run properly it is not possible that's basically what right. you're saying here. right and that's why people study to stop feeling guilty about what they eat right. they need to stop it um the most addictive food on the face of the planet and this has been done, shown in clinical results, is a potato chip. Because here's what's happening with your brain. Your brain goes, oh, my God, it's a potato chip. We love you so much. Get in here, baby. Get in here, and I'm going to eat the whole bag, not just one. Because it's got three things that are addictive, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about, you know, in the next five, is the addictive behavior of foods, where your brain gets addicted uh, to serotonin, to dopamine, to whatever, um, it gets addicted, and it's the same addiction as if you smoked a crack pipe. Why don't we just tell people who are drug addicts, hey, don't do that? Um, it, it's the same reaction in the brain as alcohol and drugs, illicit drugs and cocaine, that view that the sugars do in the brain. It's hijacking your brain. So w what we're really talking about is when your brain gets hijacked, you can't control that. What do you think you're going to go, oh, no, I'm not paying any attention to you. I'm not paying any attention to – so saying that psychology is going to fix it or or saying that something that you say to yourself or do, um, you know, tell women to stop eating potato chips, okay? But now we know why. Number one most addictive food on the planet. Why? Number one. It's neuroscience. It's yep. addictive. Number yep. two, potatoes are addictive. Number three, um, here's, it's, women are going to love that. When you crunch something, when you eat something crunchy, which women, when they start craving, they want something crunchy, right? Okay, so now we got crunchy, we got salty, and we got a potato, which is the wrong metabolic message, right? Yeah. Okay, we got all those drinks going. So think about it. Crunching stimulates serotonin. Now, you're going to love this. Okay, I'm a, I'm a big animal advocate. The reason that a dog sits on the floor and chooses bone isn't because the bone is delicious. It's because evolutionarily, the canines are chewing the bone to get to the marrow inside the bone. And so their brains evolve to be happy and feel great when they're chewing a bone. Guess what? Happens in humans too. Right. No, it's fascinating stuff when we talk about the, the brain and the brain energetics. We're talking with Dr. Anduis Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. No, Doc, it, it is really fascinating. And so let's talk about it. Let's talk about breaking the code. Let's talk about these interesting uh, concepts that we're going to introduce to our audience. The concept of burn rate, uh, brain energetics, fuel partitioning, the brain body access. All of these things are in play when we talk about the hardware. Now what we're doing, yeah. we're talking about coding and putting in the right software. It's a fascinating. Yeah, changing the software. Yeah. Changing the software. 
change up that software. And guess what? You're going to love this. When you change the software, right, which is what you put in your mouth, it doesn't taste any different. It'll taste the same. It'll taste the same. Right. So your that your body will go, okay, this is delicious, but there's no addictive. So if you look at the importance of the correct fuel, the ghost fuel, the rogue fuel, and the metabolic fuel, you have to look at the burn rate index of this fuel. And when we talk about burn rate, what the hell does that mean? Well, here's what's really great. If you have the metabolic fuel, the right fuel, your digestive system will start extracting, pulling out energy within only 15 to 30 minutes of ingesting a metabolic fuel. In other words, it goes right into the system to pull out the fuel it, it, without going into the, the muscle mass or the liver or anything else. But if it's not a metabolic fuel, then um, you, you got a real problem, okay, in, in accessing the fuel and what it does with the fuel. So if you code a fuel, it affects your blood sugar levels in 10 to 15 minutes after it goes in your mouth. Think about that. So your body and your brain is going, this is all it's saying. It has one message. Where's my fuel? Where's my energy? Give it to me now or there's going to be problems. Big issue. Where's my fuel? Now, this will be shocking to most people. This is why I don't like products that have protein with no metabolic fuel. Protein is not a fuel. Okay, people, did you hear me? Protein is not a fuel. Now, if, if, if metabolic fuel is not readily available in, combined with a protein, as in a protein drink, then the alternative energy source taken is that that protein is taken from muscle. That's not good. Ask any athlete if he wants to lose muscle from drinking a protein drink. But if the protein drink is just protein with either a ghost fuel or a rogue fuel but no metabolic fuel, it's going to go into the muscle to pull the fuel out. Think about that. You can lose muscle from the wrong fuel being ingested. Yeah. And you can also really deplete your stored energy stores that you need to perform in your oh, sport as well. It's a metabolic disaster. Good point. Yeah, it's a metabolic, oh, it's a metabolic disaster. Yeah, yeah. Because so, all you have to think about is from the time it gets into your mouth until it gets transferred, the message from the T1R1, T1R2, and T1R3 receptors to the brain, all it's saying is, where is my fuel? Where is my energy? If there's none, it starts pulling it out of places you don't, and it's not going to come from the fat cells. You can count on that. Right. It's not going to come out of the fat cells. It's going to come from other places that it's easier to access, and that's a bad, bad thing. Yep, so the solution has only one answer. There's only one pathway, and that's coating the fuel that comes into the mouth. That's it. That's the answer. Right. I love that. I love that. So the, the, the burn rate is basically, everybody, the timeline. Where's my fuel? Yeah. Give it to me. How long does it yeah. – it's the timeline from, from the time it hits your mouth and you get signals to yeah. your brain to the time that energy is delivered. Now, listen, here's yeah. the trick. If it's the right energy – As you know, we track the, the timeline down to practically nanoseconds. Right. We know exactly what the timelines are for uh, every single sweet aspect. I believe it's the most accurate – data on energy supply that that's known. I, I believe we have that. Um, and that's why we're yes, so and you've seen it and you loved it to pieces. <laughs> yeah. Especially for our athletes. <laughs> for your athlete. Right. And again, that goes back to the whole idea of why is every athlete drinking the same sport drink? It makes no sense at all. But they don't know. Cause they right. don't know. Nobody's told them the truth. Right. Well, we're coming. You know, it's interesting crusher that you're exactly right about that. Well, why aren't people changing it? Well, they, cause they don't know. Yeah. It's not their fault that there's a, shocking ignorance of the subject matter 
Because really, who's going to tell them? You really think that these companies are going to go on TV and go, hey, this is what we want to tell you. Don't use this kind of sugar or sweetener. Really? They're going to do that? I don't think so. Right. So scientists, researchers, and food companies continually ask me. They go, okay, look, doc, does this mean we have to get rid of all the sugars and sweeteners? And I go, no, of course not. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> For me to stand up on a stage and go, let's get rid of all sugars and sweeteners. Are you kidding? Right. I'd be shot before dark. No, we can't do that. But all we have to do is just readjust their course correction. So we just have to course correct them by directing the glute pathways and other pathways. Right. And, you know, that can be done. The scientific research and mandatory clinical trials that took us 30 years provides a clear picture of the solution of the way to design the right fuels. It's called cracking the code. Oh, it only took us 30 years. Right. And doc, so it all comes back to that, right? It's evolutionary. The whole timeline, how the body responds yeah. to the energy, it's evolutionary. Yeah. And you yeah. mentioned something that's really, that's what you're talking about here is coding the fuel. That's what we're doing. You know, we have this saying, right. we have this saying in the lab, fuel follows function. And it really, really resonates with me because that's what it's all about. We have focused our efforts on really trying to figure out the function of the fuels and how fuel you know, follows and leads to the function of, of, of what we're trying to do. It's really important. So let's talk about coding a bit, doc, because, you know, it's not something that's really typically been associated with our food chain. And I think for, for some people, they hear coding my food, they might be a little scared by it, but, but what you really have to uh, embrace here is the fact that when we talk about coding, we're talking about taking the most natural basic elements of our food and, and just channeling it in the right way. It's, it's, it's so natural. It's almost, it's almost unbelievable, Doc. Yeah, actually safe for babies. Right. So here's what's interesting about cracking the code. The first thing you have to do is look at the fact that the brain is analog and digital, okay? Um, which is really interesting that the brain is analog and digital because if you don't understand how that brain is going to accept a coding. So let's just pretend that, that the brain, okay, and the, and, and the body are going to be recoded. That's what it's about, of course, naturally and safely, right? Yeah. It's cracking the code. So because the brain is analog and digital, and we didn't know that till MIT, MIT, who I love, come on, some good guys are coming out of MIT. Absolutely. Best science in the world. Yeah. They discovered that the, the brain is analog and digital. And based on that, you could say, okay, um, we want to course correct the brain, right? But how can we do it where we know that it's going to be safe, all right? Well, here's how we know how it to be safe. Okay, first of all, something that's going to, to crack the code and, and involve uh, coding in food, it has to be FDA grass, which is the hardest thing in the world to get, and it has to be natural, and it has to be extensively tested in humans, which we've done. Right. Our database is more than 400 sugars and sweeteners, and we will continue to provide education on these topics to provide to the public and to manufacturers, that how is it that we can make course-correcting fuel? And as I said, we're working with a major university right now for them to do that. Um, but the thing in order to understand that it's safe, it has to be, like I said, FDA grass, completely natural, safe for babies, kids, whatever. It has to be extensively tested in humans and, and board-approved human and vivo clinical trials, which we have, that were approved by the United States government. Okay? Yeah. Um, and, and that database can then be used to make natural, even organic if you want it, 
uh, sugars and sweeteners that can correct. So when I said, no, we're not going to throw out the ghost fuel and the rope fuel and all artificial sweeteners and all sugars. But we, what we do is we add natural ingredients in it to change the glute pathway, to change, to change the pathway that's taking, to crack that code and go, don't go down this pathway. That goes right into the fat cells. Don't go down this glute pathway because that creates uh, reduced sports performance or, or it, it, it jacks up your insulin and increases your, your likelihood of reduced cognitive function or Alzheimer's. Uh, it re- reduces, you can reduce your capability of even getting type 2 diabetes for preventing it from stimulating uh, insulin in the brain and in the body. So you can do it in an all-natural way by just changing the pathway that your brain and body recognize. Is it easy to do? No. It took us 30 years. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to continue to provide education, these topics, to the public and to manufacturers and universities by providing them with utilizable data and solutions. And so that's why people, you know, if they're interested in this, they can stay tuned to podcast number six because we're going to keep going and explaining to people what it is they can do to make a difference. Now, can we go through the grocery store? And look at everything and say, okay, this is what you might want to pick as a good metabolic. Yes, we're, we've already, we have now a chef, and that chef is going to be on the, the show, and they're going to create recipes and suggestions in the grocery store for everybody listening to this podcast and all the public, okay? Um, that's a, that's it's, it's, a, it's a free service we're offering to people to educate them on what they can do that's grocery store related. Now, on a different pathway is the manufacturers. Okay, so you can't control the things that have been manufactured in the grocery store or nutraceuticals or nutritional products, whatever. Uh, And the point of that is we're teaching them how to change the code so that the the coding for whatever it is, they can take any product they have and we can recode it by adding um, a key-coded device that's completely natural and grass made from natural organic things to change that glute pathway to match match with your evolutionary outcome. Right. We're coding. We're fixing it. We're coding it. And for everybody out there yeah. that doesn't understand grass, grass is a FDA term that means generally recognized as safe, safe for human con- consumption, all natural. Of course, everybody understands. And yes, trust me, there's been 30 years of, of clinical trials and human in vivo research that's been done to give us this information that's allowing us to do this. It's been a long, hard road, but boy, boy, doc, I don't think we've ever been in a more exciting time in our area of expertise here when it comes to, you know, fixing foods and helping people achieve their goals, but the impact on human health here. Oh my goodness. I'm just so excited. Where I we're know. At right and now. I think that's why you and I are so jacked up, you know, and so proud to be able to do this, to offer this, offer this to not just universities and scientists and researchers, but, you know, to to be able to, to, to course correct the food chain. So, you know, the universities that we're working with are going to be making chocolate candy and ice cream and chocolate milkshakes and chocolate yoo type drinks that take the right pathway, don't go in the fat cells, um, give you balanced blood sugar levels. It's, it's, it's really, really completely exciting to be able to do this. And, of course, you know, testing the products to make sure they're safe in humans, well, I believe that we can say that because ours were tested in 250,000 human beings over a 25-year period. Yeah. No, no. It's a major database, and we're so excited. And nobody's been able to break that record of safety, by the way. So we're there's only two companies that we're big companies that we know of that are allowed to say 30 years of trusted science, and ours is one of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that certainly is something to be proud of. So the good news, as we wrap up here, Dr. Allen, the good news is uh, there are solutions. There are solutions and understanding the problem, like we've always said, clearly understanding the problem is the first step to leading you to that solution. So that's why I love these Science of Sweetness podcasts so much. Uh, what a great, great episode today, hijacking your brain, food control and brain energetics. I think we've really laid out the base here for everybody. If you have questions, please write to us. You can get us info at crushperformance.com is the best place right now. We'll have more uh, places of contact coming up here in the near future as we dive into this incredible world that we're entering. Dr. Allen, thank you so much for today. And I guess we'll be watching William Shatner uh, orbiting the earth here. What, what a crazy time I this know, is. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for him. And he's, he's like, he's so like thrilled like a little kid, you know, and I think we need to probably do a show on hijacking your brain. So yeah. if people, you know, listen to this and they're going, what, what do they mean by that? It just means that your brain has been hijacked by evolution to crave really, really fattening foods, whether it's French fries or chocolate candy or potato chips or whatever, your brain has been hijacked into being addicted to demanding that food. And that's what we're talking about hijacking. Is it you, That's why diets aren't going to work or whatever, or psychology, is that your brain has been hijacked metabolically and by evolution. But we can, you know, we can, the, the, the point is to give you chocolate, to give you ice cream, to give you chocolate shakes and fun things to eat, but they just have a, a, a different metabolic consequence, but they're still delicious. You will, it won't taste any different and safe even in children. We did two years of clinical trials in children uh, to make sure that the kids-friendly products were safe. And so I think that, you know, being able, you and I being able to do this with our whole science team is about the most exciting thing I could even imagine. I'm so grateful to be here doing this with you. Yeah, me too, Doc, me too. And we're, we're out of time right now, but we'll have to share the Oprah ice cream story with everybody on our next episode because that is a oh, heck of yeah. a story. Oh, yeah, we and, will. And, oh, yes, we and, will. <laughs> and just maybe a warning shot across the bow for everybody out there. I tasted the ice cream. This is our key-coded, this is our coated ice cream. Doc, yeah. And I'm telling you, in a blinded taste test, I picked it's our, delicious. I, yeah, it was, I picked it over the original, the original ice cream. So uh, it's exciting well, let me times. just say one more thing that's going to freak out, freak people out. Sure. Uh, in, in recoding ice cream, we were asked to recode ice cream. Actually, we started this years ago and did clinical trials to prove it could be done to recode ice cream. We were actually able to make ice cream. You ready for this? Where an apple was more fattening than a bowl of ice cream. Right. All natural coating. Yeah. And we have the data, which is the crazy thing, the data. And I still remember the researchers and the doctors that they, they couldn't, we had to double check, a triple check, quadruple check the results because nobody could believe it. <laughs> it was right. so, it was so awesome. I couldn't believe that no. we did it. Even me. Yeah. I'm sitting there. Listen, right now, as we speak in my freezer, I've got some of that ice cream and I, I, I tell people here, taste this. Okay. We also had to do. You know, and kids making sure that their taste buds accepted it. But right. yeah, it was uh, very successful. And like I said, you don't have to, there's nothing artificial in it. It's all natural. We, we, we take, you know, we take the key coded ingredients from natural things off the earth, from fruits and plants and things like that, and which redirects the brain because the brain understands the things that are natural to the planet. Exactly. And so it's really natural coding is what we're doing to recreate ice cream that's 100% natural. Uh, an organic if you want it, but, but it tastes and acts just like ice cream, except it doesn't go the wrong metabolic pathway. Oh. So it, even kids, kids that were type, had type 2 diabetes were able to eat this ice cream 
and their blood sugar didn't budge. Those what? kids were actually yeah. crying and their parents were crying. Yeah. Hey, let's save that story for another day because that is an emotional story even for me. To see kids who have never tasted ice cream before taste ice cream for the first time. Oh, my gosh. It was spectacular. Okay. Let's leave I that. I know. To see hey. a nine-year-old crying because he could eat ice cream Yeah, really it, just, just uh, broke my heart. But it made me understand, okay, I don't get a lot of sleep. I work my ass off, and it's worth it. Yeah, Doc. And you remember the, the two words, I think – the three words that 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 really just have stuck with me uh, is when after the first little taste, in the first little trial, in the first little taste, it, I think I think it was the young boy who said, "Is this ice cream?" <laughs> His first taste ever. I know. Oh my so gosh! Cute. Yeah. Hey. And so I, you know what I thought? Okay. I I love what I'm doing because it's making a difference. Yeah. No it's question. making a difference in people's lives, and that's what you and I are all about. Yeah. Making a difference. But what's amazing is we're having a lot of fun doing it. We are. Hey, Doc, let's do this. I, I like the idea of doing a um, an episode on hijacking the brain, kind of a spinoff of this one. Uh, today's episode, hijacking your brain, uh, food control and brain energetics. I think that'll really tie in. But I'd really also like to do a show. Let's just call it the fix where we can maybe share stories of some of the triumphs and some of the bumps we've faced along the way. So people can kind of understand this, this 30 year road that we've been on to get to here. But some of the stories like that ice cream and, and the, the chocolate stories, I mean, or the chocolate candy, chocolate candy, two years of research. Oh my God. And you know what else I'd like to discuss the next time? I'd like to discuss the protein drink that we did clinical trials on for athletes and, uh, and people, you know, that, that that had the right uh, analog and digital coding in it, um, and and it was you know it legally qualifies in a meal replacement by CFR FDA twenty one guidelines and shea, which is really hard to do. It means it practically if you're on a desert island and you drink that, that it's it's all you would need to stay alive for a while. Yes. So uh, that as you very well know, you've seen the clinical trials on that protein drink for athletes that we created, and it's you know for as far as I'm concerned, it's the best in the world because it cracks the code and is totally course corrected. Well, when we did our trials with the athletes, because here's the thing, and again, we're over time here, but I got to just add this in just to close it up. And we can, we can talk about this on the fix. This will be one of our topics on the fix. It's one thing to do clinical trials. And this is another thing I love about our team doc. You know, we've got the data, we've got the science. It's not speculation. It's not opinion. We actually went out and it took us years to figure it took you and your team years to figure it out. And then we came on board and put it all together. But the thing that I really loved is once we had the data in the trials, the stuff that worked, you know, in the controlled setting, we took it to the trenches. We got it out there in the hands of the athletes, like your powerlifting federation, your bodybuilders, our football guys, our baseball guys, our hockey guys, all these athletes. Because it because not only does it have to work in the scientific setting of, of clinical trials, it's got to work in the real world. And that where I think that for me personally was one of the greatest triumphs we had. Let's dedicate a whole show to that called The Fix, if you're cool with that. Yeah, solutions in real life. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's what it is. Okay, done. I'm writing that down. That's in the books coming up. Maybe we'll make that episode uh, number six for sure. Dr. Yeah, I like Allen. That. I'm sure they're going to want to hear about the chocolate the chocolate candy, oh my the goodness. ice cream. We're going to save Halloween. The, Let's save Halloween. Yeah, and also <laughs> when we made the chocolate Yoohoo drink, Oh. That burned more fat when you were sitting on a sofa watching TV than if you were jogging around the block. That was a good one also. Yeah, let's talk about that. That'll all be on the fix, everybody. Hey, listen, if you do have questions about today's show, get to us, info at crushperformance.com. Share this episode with your family, your friends, your teammates, your coaches, uh, your fellow teachers, your 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 um, your workmates as well. Get it out there because it's such an important conversation. Dr. Allen, 
Thank you for today and all the work that you've done. We've got so much more to discuss, and I can't wait till the next episode. Thanks, Crush. It's great. As usual, we have a ball doing it. We sure do. Thanks a lot, Doc. Can't wait to hear. I can't wait to hear from your uh, your listeners on this one. <laughs> Amen to that. I'm Greg. sure they're going to ask me what happened to the guy that popped his nut. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, we'll have to get Glenn to write in to see how he's how he's yeah, recovered. I'll check, I'll check back with him and, and report back to you guys. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, Doc. Talk to you next time. All right. Take care. <laughs> there you go, everybody. <laughs> Episode number five of Science of Sweetness. How the adventure continues, and it's an exciting ride. Listen, we love your messages. We've got some crazy, crazy stuff, but it's all really good and meaningful in the end of the day, and that's what it's all about. You know, working with you guys, our audience, has just been such a treat uh, because that's what it's all about. You guys have heard me say it time and time again. If we have one prime directive here at Crush Performance, it's maybe to get people thinking about things they haven't thought of before. And right back at us. You guys, with your messages and notes, you get us thinking about stuff that we might not think about it either. So again, great, great teamwork. Have to thank Dr. Allen for her input today. Listen, the Science of Sweetness and the Crush Warren Sugar series will continue. One episode per month, guaranteed. And a lot of it is directed by your questions and your comments. So please keep them coming. Again, info at Crush Performance is the email. Okay, coming up in the next few weeks, guys, we're going to start wrapping up the year uh, themes of Talent and Talent ID, and the Crush Brain Game. We've got some fantastic episodes coming up, and I really, really hope you guys are into this because if there's one way to maximize your performance, it's to really understand the landscape. And one thing that we're acutely aware of is we have a lot of work to do to bring cohesion and level out that landscape. I mean, we really don't even have a consensus on the definition of talent. And that's something that we talked with Dr. Joe Baker about from York University and it's one of the first things we need to do let's understand what what talent and talent ID is all about so we can move forward in a unified way and then on the brain game man listen we're just cracking into that world of understanding what the brain is all about and how it works but for the crush brain game um, where does it fit in the hierarchy of setting our athletes and our performers up for success I think we've truly underestimated the importance of the brain game and just like Talent and Talent ID, I don't think we really have a consensus on what this brain game is all about. There are so many facets to that world, uh, and that's what the Crush Brain Game is all about. And this upcoming series we're going to have is going to be a doozy. So stay tuned for that as we work to push your performance to new levels. All right, that'll do it for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Now get out there, go have some fun, stay safe, and get a little better. Talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.